Well, what's going on, 412 family? This is M.A., and we are in week three of the series, My Story, and we've been breaking down the story of Paul, or as we've also been calling him, Saul, and we'll clear that up here in just a minute, but we're talking about his story, and there's three parts to every good story, every good testimony, and week one, we talked about who we were before Jesus, and we broke down Paul's story in Acts chapter 7, 8, 9 about who he was, how he was a a religious man, a Jewish man that was looking to persecute Christians and he was going out murdering and uh, imprisoning all the Christians he could. And then week two was the moment we met Jesus and we broke down in Acts chapter 9 when Paul was on his way to Damascus with a letter in hand that allowed him to arrest and go into homes and pull out anybody that he found following Jesus and arrest them and put them to death if necessary. And so we talked about that in the moment he met Jesus and his life was forever changed. And so now this week, week three, we are talking about who we are now. What is the life that we've lived since the moment we met Jesus? And, and what is what has changed in our life? How has God changed our life? How has he continued to mold us into the image of who he is? And as long as we live, our story continues to build, right? Like it doesn't just end with the moment we met Jesus. It continues to build year after year. And as God uses circumstances in our lives and trials and hardships and joys and experiences, he is continuing to build us. And so it's building our story. And so as God uses those trials and experiences and hardships, he is trying to mold us more into the image of him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that God said, let us make man in our image, in the image of God. And so as we follow Jesus, the goal is to constantly be asking this question, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this circumstance? And then once we learn something, once God has worked something through us, through a trial and through a circumstance, we can then share that through our testimony with others about the lessons we've learned and how God has continued to mold us and teach us and make us look more like Christ. So last week we talked about Saul and the moment in which he met Jesus and how his life was forever changed. And we spoke about how Jesus spoke to him and called him by name and even told the disciple Ananias that he had chose Paul for a purpose. And we talked about how scripture tells us that we are called by his name and we are part of his plan and he does have a purpose for us as well. And so what it shows us is that God is a relational God, that he formed us, he loves us, and he knows us intimately. Scripture tells us that he knows the the hairs on our head. And so this week, we're going to dive back into the story of Paul and see what his story is like and how God has continued to mold him and shape him since he met him, since he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And But first thing I want to do is, is approach this question we've kind of been dodging all the past couple weeks is we're talking about this man named Saul, but he's also called Paul. Or I say, hey, we're talking about Paul where he named, he's now Saul. So I want to clear that up. And so up until this point, up until Acts chapter 13, Saul is known as just that, Saul. But in Acts chapter 13, we see a transition happen. And at the very beginning of Acts chapter 13, it says Barnabas and Saul sent off. And so now they were in the church at Antioch and prophets and teachers and Barnabas and Simon, who was called uh, Niger and Lucerus of Serene and Marine, a lifelong fan of Herod the Terrish and Saul. And so you see these group of people together and they're in the church of Antioch and they're being sent out. 
And so Barnabas and Saul are on their way to Cyprus. And it says this in Acts chapter 13, verse 8 and 9. It says, But Elmas, a magician, opposed them, seeking to turn away from their faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. This is the first time where we see that Saul has changed his name. And so I, I don't know exactly why he changed it. It doesn't say God changed it, but it shows a new beginning in the life of Saul. And so now here from Acts chapter 8 verses, uh, Acts chapter 13 verses 8 and 9 forward, he will always and forever now be called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And it goes on. And so verse 13, it says, Paul and Barnabas at Antioch and Pisidia. And it says, now Paul and his companions set, companion set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And so from here on out, Saul is now Paul. And so I just wanted to address that right off the bat. But let's dive into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 through 30. And really, we're just going to focus on verses 23 through 30. Um, but this is an account of Paul writing to the, a letter to the church in Corinth, and he talks about his life as he follows Jesus. Now, if you remember from last week, we talked about John 16, 33, where Jesus said, Take heart, you will have trials and tribulations in this world, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so here we see Paul talking about his trials and tribulations in his life as he goes to pursue Jesus. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Let's start in verse 23. It says this, Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. In verse 24, he goes into it. He says, Five times I have received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Now, the forty lashes less one, what they'll say is that they thought forty lashes would kill a man. And so they would... They would basically uh, make uh, for people that were imprisoned or people that were uh, to be beaten. They would say, hey, we're going to we're going to uh, um, give you 40 lashes, but we're going to take away one. It was kind of a a saying like we're going to beat you to the inch to within an inch of your life to one lashing of your life. So he's had that. It says that he's received that at the hand of the Jews five times. Verse 25, it says three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. At night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangerous from robbers, dangerous from my own people, dangerous from the Gentiles, dangerous in the city, dangerous in the wilderness, dangerous at sea, dangerous from false brothers, in toil and in hunger and in thirst, and often without food, hardships through many sleepless nights, in cold and in exposure, and apart from other things, There is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is made to fall? I am indignant. But he goes on in verse 30 and he says, If I must boast, I will boast of these things that show my weakness, that the God and Father of Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever. And so here's the deal. From this list right here, Paul had his fair share of hardships and trials while following Jesus. Now the question is, what about you? Parents, have you had hardships and trials in your life of following Jesus? Um, You know, have you had hard times in your life? Uh, Let me ask you a question. 
How can you use those things and talk about those things with your children and with your students in order to get them to understand even greater the glorious and miraculous mercy and grace of God? Well, Paul responds to these hard times and these hard things in verses 8 through 10 of chapter 12. And he says this, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, what did Paul just say? He said, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Now, that doesn't make much sense, does it? For when I am weak, I am strong. How does that how does that make any contextual or humanistic sense? Well, see, what Paul is saying is that he is fully resting on the power of Jesus to bring him through his hardships. Now, have you ever had a hardship and you said, you know what, I got this. I can fix it on my own. But it seems like the harder and harder you push, the further and further you try and do something, it just gets even more messed up. Or have you just let God fix it and take care of it and rested all those anxieties on him? Now, the next question we have to ask is this. Paul had a, before knowing Jesus, Paul had what would most say is probably a great life. They said he was probably a very wealthy man. He was a well, well-to-do well man. He, he was uh, big in his community. People knew him. He was, um, he was thought of and regarded as one of the greatest Jews of all Jews. So the question we have to ask is, was it all worth it? And Paul addresses this again in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 14, and he says this. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Jesus Christ, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of the Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Whatever I gain, I had, I count it lost for the sake of Christ. Now, I want to go back over those verses a little bit. What Paul is saying is, in societal terms, in the world in which he lived in, in the Jewish world, he's saying that he was from the, uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, which was by law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was the best of the best in the Hebrew world. He was a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. So what that means is that he kept the law of, of, of Moses. He kept the law of the Lord as closely as he could. And whenever he did mess up, he did the required sacrifices in order to make himself blameless. He was saying he was the best of the best. But in verse 7 it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In verse 8 he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him 
in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And by that means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now listen to this. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, whatever I had, whatever good standing I had, whatever financial gain I had, I counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. In your life, are you willing to give it all to Christ? And are you willing to count it all as rubbish in this world to gain Christ and be found in him? Now, as we go on and write our stories here, I'll say this. As you write the last part of your story, think about experiences, hardships, trials, joys, and write about what has changed in your life since you met Jesus. Write about the emotional change, the physical change, the spiritual change, the circumstantial change. Now, I want to make this clear. This is not about perfection. It is about progression. So share the progression your life has seen and what you have noticed since committing your life to Jesus. Has your, has your life got more peace, joy? Has anxiety changed? Has habits, thoughts, or actions changed? Now, here's another question. Have some things actually gotten, gotten harder? Now, we're going to write about these things and write them out. And to be honest with you, it's okay to write about these hard things. Paul did it, and he used it in a way to show more about how much it is worthy to be found in the name of Christ. He went through all these hardships, and at the end of the day, he said, everything that I've attained in this world, everything this world can offer me, I consider rubbish so that I can be found in the name of Jesus. So it's okay to write about these hardships. If Paul can talk about it, we can talk about it. So parents, as you continue to help your students with their stories, share with your story, and maybe you need to include in your testimony when times got hard, how God showed up in a mighty way. And even when it was hard and even when it was tough, you wouldn't go back on your life of, of following Jesus Christ for anything because what the world has to offer ultimately will fade away and as Paul says, is rubbish. So let's go forward. Let's share our stories. Let's talk about the time in which we met Jesus. And now let's talk about what our life is like as we continue walk through, walk with him. And to be honest with you, if you're still breathing, your story is still being molded. God is still using circumstances in your life today, tomorrow, and forevermore to continue to mold yourself, mold you into the image of Christ. So the question we have to ask this is always ask this question. Lord, what are you trying to teach me through these circumstances? Y'all have a great week. Stay humble, stay focused, and let's get into it and tell our stories to the whole world about how Jesus changed our life for the better. See you next week.